Welcome to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger, talking all the uh, happenings in the sports world, getting ready for the NCAA tournament, which is one of the more exciting times of the year, at least for the first, you know, couple of days. Uh, we've got baseball gearing up. We've got spring football on the way. The draft is going to be down the pipeline coming up here. We we Before we hit that huge summer lull, we do have some exciting things coming up. Yeah, for sure. Florida State starts spring football today. We've uh, You guys have been in it for a couple of weeks now, so certainly an exciting time. Like you said, spring. I think our spring game is one month from today. Um, I think you guys is, is roughly 13 months um, from today. <laughs> but uh, spring football getting kicked off. I, I, we've had this debate before, March Madness versus bowl season. I'm hoping that I can at least be proven right for this 2020-2021 well, it'd be hard academic to be proven year. wrong for this particular year. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think that those of us that were you know so upset that we had no tournament last year are pretty excited for literally anything. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I shared the memory um, on Twitter today, but a year ago today, Florida State was voted number four in the country. And then two days later, the entire world turned world upside down, down and they were on the floor um, warming up in, uh, in Greensboro for the ACC tournament. They were the noon game that uh, because they were the one seed, they were the noon game. And uh, which is always weird. Like they should have been the late game, but anyway, they were the one seed going into the tournament and uh, they pulled them off the floor and didn't play and we kind of thought like oh, okay well at least we'll have the big tournament and nope nothing like i just thought that you know obviously the whole world turned upside down so all that was about a year ago but we are uh we're getting into the to the i think it's a fun time of the year you've got march madness for um the next month three four weeks you've then got the masters you've got uh, basketball and hockey then start to wind down at the end of uh, May. I'm sorry, at the end of April. Then you've got playoffs during May and June. Uh, and then it's pretty bad after that. Like it's just baseball for a couple of months. But then football rolls back around. So I like this summertime swing that we're about to get into. Um, but we'll start with football and some off the field news coming out. Um, Kansas fired their head coach, the Mad Hatter, no longer at Kansas. They get rid of Les Miles. Um, Kansas will never be anything but the worst Power Five team ever. Which but is like, wild, though, because suck. think about the last couple of coaches that they've had. Like when you get Charlie Weiss, Les Miles, like you hear these names and you're like, okay. And they're in the Big 12. I don't think that it's that difficult to, at the very least, be in the top half of the Big 12, right? But it's been. Uh, incredibly difficult for them. And they have not had the kind of success that they'd hoped when they brought in these big name coaches. And it now appears that in bringing in these big name coaches, they purposefully, maybe not purposefully, but they completely uh, decided it wasn't even worth vetting. You know, this was their guy. This is who they wanted. They didn't even need to see the HR file, probably wishing that they had seen the HR file from LSU though. These allegations don't actually have anything to do um with Kansas, at least not yet, they're all stemming out of Les Miles' time at LSU, and they're kind of bad. Um, well, they are bad, not kind of. They're bad. There is uh, a lot of different sexual harassment 
charges being thrown his way, um, a few, mainly by female students that worked for the football program. Um, one told uh, the athletic department at LSU that Miles kissed her twice, told her she was attractive. Um, he denied it, but in the report, it says at the very least, it appears that Miles has shown poor judgment in placing himself in a situation in which the student employee might be uncomfortable. Um, another student, the report uh, categorizes as completely traumatized by the incident. Another employee used the words emotional and traumatic when describing her interaction with this student following the alleged incident with Miles. Um, multiple former uh, employees alleged that he texted them inappropriate things, sent inappropriate pictures, invited them on trips. He apparently told the football office they were only allowed to hire blondes with big boobs. Um, it, apparently it was bad. There was an investigation at LSU, an internal investigation in 2013. At the conclusion of it, the athletic director from LSU, Joe Oliva, actually recommended to the LSU president that they fire Les Miles with cause. Advice was not taken. Is that when all the uproar happened and like, you know, they, they ended up firing him the next year, right? No, like, they didn't fire him until 2016. This happened in oh, 2013. Oh, that's and right. And he was fired after the 2-2 start. So not really having anything to do with this. Yeah, they want. That's right. They wanted to fire him in like 2015, and then like the public outcry was like no, and so they let him stay. Or no, like it was rumored that they were going to, and then they got kind of their, I don't know, hand caught in the cookie jar. I don't know what the uh, appropriate cliche here is, but they ended up not firing him, and then they started doing two, and they fired him anyway the next year. So it was well, like so just an idiot move. After this investigation, you know, Oliva recommends the firing. President says no, but they made a rule that he was banned from being alone with or communicating with female students after the investigation. If you need to put that rule in place, you are at least acknowledging that there's some not good stuff going on. And I, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, not only is it sexual harassment to, you know, kiss people that you work with without, you know, them being okay with it or sending things that they don't feel like are appropriate or whatever else. But if you're the head football coach at an SEC powerhouse and you're doing it to a student of that school, that is such an abuse of power in my mind. We're talking about an adult, a powerful guy, right? And an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old student who is you know, maybe interested in working in the sports world one day, which is why she has this position. I just, that makes it so much worse for me. It is because they're trying, and, and you see that whether it's in politics or entertainment and Hollywood or just whatever, they're obviously trying to do everything that they can to get their break right in the sports world, whether that be sports media or, uh, you know, PT or just what whatever avenue they want, sports management, just whatever. And so it puts them, it's such an abuse of power because it puts them in such a difficult position of thinking, well, if I don't do what he's asking, then I could I could lose my opportunity. Like I I can't get blackballed by less miles or such and such film director or such and such governor or just whomever, you know, like I've got to do what they say. And right. I think that the conversation around it is becoming so much that now, 
um, people in those positions know that they're not going to get blackballed for the rest of eternity. Um, and they are more willing to come forward because there is now a dialogue around it and a conversation about it. And people are more accepting than, you know, I think what the stigma of, Oh, nobody's going to believe me or whatever back in the early 2010s. And certainly before that. So I think that now, not, not to say that it doesn't happen now, cause it certainly does, but I think people speak up about it more now. And so it's a better position, but yeah, it is absolutely way worse. Now I, I'm not trying to make light of any, you know, harassment or anything that happens, but it is way worse when you have that position. Like, you know, if, if Joe Blow that just works at your average, whatever paper mill that works on the same, you know, shift as you do, and he, you know, tries to do something against you, you're probably going to go report him. But like, and, and not to make light of that, but like when it's a superior, you somebody in so much you more your, power in a co-ed dorm, right? And the guy that lives on the floor above you makes an unwanted pass at you in the elevator. But you're equals. Still but not you're equals. Okay. You're just both students. And that student doesn't have or has less of an issue going to their RA or whatever and reporting it. And I'm not saying she does. Maybe she's scared, you know, whatever. But that is a level playing field. Still not acceptable in any way, but it is that it's is not an abuse in my power. mind that is like plain sexual harassment it is what it is when you're talking about what happened with Les Miles and a student uh, you know that works within the football program it is so much more egregious in my mind because of his abuse of power yeah i don't think we're trying to minimize the first situation no, we're trying no, to maximize the other okay. one like it's like it's like you know how there are differing degrees of all kinds of crimes, right? Whether it's murder or rape or, or stealing or whatever, like they're first degree, second degree, third, like this is like the worst of it. Right. So it's all bad. This is really, really bad. That go through that student's mind. Will they believe me because of his job? Will I lose my job? Will he figure out a way to blackball me from this profession for life? None of those questions go through the girl in the elevator with the guy that lives on the floor above her while this is happening. They all go through, the student that works in the football office's mind. And that makes it even more traumatic. None of it's acceptable. And I, you know, I think hopefully we've made that incredibly clear. We are not saying sexual harassment isn't, is in any way acceptable. It's not. But when you compound it with an abuse of power, it's worse. 100%. And the fact that LSU chose to cover it up as opposed to fire him is, crazy and i guess tried to cover it up but also tried to contain it right by telling him he's not allowed to be alone with students not us uh, female students not allowed to text them you know whatever they're trying to control the situation so that they can continue to uh win in their yeah, and then it also shines a negative light you know like if that stuff comes out that your head coach allowed that there's going to be punishment and ramifications for your program not just the coach yeah, but, so. I mean, if it happens and you find out about it and you fire him People have free will, right? Oh, the absolutely. Yeah. LSU can't control what every person that he hires ends up doing, but he can control whether or not he decides to keep them on the payroll after he's aware of their misdeeds. Yeah. And they obviously did. You know, you also look at Kansas too. Yes, I you, think you wonder, you wonder if they intentionally like, cause word travels, right? Like in these small coaching circles, like you think that Kansas really just didn't do their due diligence or didn't want to go looking for what they may have found. Like, cause if you look hard enough, you'll find something on anybody. And so my thought is I hate to just accuse Kansas, but that's what I'm going to do here because you're either ignorant 
and you got crap on your face or you probably knew that you didn't want to be digging too hard. And so you didn't. Right. So either way. Well, so this was in the, his HR file from LSU reporters were able to get it after they requested it. So that also means that Kansas could have requested it. And I think what probably happened is, you know, Kansas is like, who's available? Who's out there? I mean, Les Miles is out there. We could see if he had any interest. They reach out. Oh, yeah, he might be interested in this job. Boom. Let's jump on it. Let's go with it. This is a huge name. Uh, let's hire him, you know, and and there wasn't any more forethought from that. We Maybe Kansas hadn't heard anything, but you got to do your due diligence, right? You've got to, at the very least, know what it is that you're getting into. You get the HR file, you know all the dirt, so that at the very least, at the very least, you are prepared for something if it surfaces down the road, right? And you could even say, like, I think about, um, well, it didn't turn out particularly well, but Jacksonville um, trying to hire the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars trying to hire the strength and conditioning coach from Iowa. They said, we vetted him, we interviewed him, we talked to other people with Iowa uh, from Iowa. We were okay with what was in his personnel file. I mean, obviously later they changed their mind, but at the very least, if Kansas could have said, we read the file, we talked to the people, we've made our own conclusions, we're comfortable with what we are doing. Uh, to me, that is a different. Well, Liberty did that, right? I mean, you right. know, Hughes issues were more on the forefront and in the media. So you knew about them. So a little bit different, but they said that we vetted him. We believe in second chances. Obviously they're being a religious institution. Hey, we believe in forgiveness and we believe in grace and we believe he's changed and we're going to let him, we're going to let him go, you know, or not let him go, but like, we're going to let him come and coach here. And, and if he screws up, it'll be the last straw. But and I mean, Ole Miss you know, had to do stuff with that with Lane Kiffin, right? And I mean, Lane Kiffin is not really, uh, you know, as egregious as some of these other things, but people make mistakes. They should get second chances down the line. Right. It just has to be handled in the right way. I don't think after this happens that Les Miles will ever coach college football ever again. Hard to imagine it. Or high school, you know, like anywhere. Ever again. Probably ever. He will probably never coach ever again. Just kind of like fade off into, and you know, ESPN's not going to hire him to talk about like, yeah, he's going to fade off into the, into the background and that'll be it, you know, because you know, you're not going to. Yeah, nobody's going to take the chance on hiring him. You could fact check me. You know, people listening can fact check me if if I'm wrong in ten years when somebody does hire him. So, um, yeah, it just it. I have always been kind of a Les Miles fan. I think he's he's a wild card. I think he was fun to watch. His clock management, at, at the very least, is amusing. Um, I was totally caught off guard, but. I am so disappointed in how LSU handled this. And honestly, between this and watching cash being handed out on the sidelines from their national championship two years ago and stuff, it is hard in my mind to not immediately think of just lack of control or, I mean, maybe just not caring at all when at all cost. which, uh, but I don't know. This is, a, this in my mind is an, is a black eye on LSU. It's a black eye on Kansas. It, is not something that in 2021, you know, can happen. Yeah. No, I mean, be sure your sins will find you out. And they certainly did. They came back yeah. around. So speaking um, of uh, sins, <laughs> and uh, that's an excellent transition. Uh, things coming back around. Have you seen all of the stuff about uh, UGA and Alabama and uh, potential paying of players? Have you seen any of this? I have. Um, 
So the head coach of, um, gosh, what was, uh, now I'm going to look up the, the Val, was it Valdosta High School? Rush Probst is his name. He, I don't know if anybody ever watched MTV back in the day, the show Two A Days. He was the head coach of the high school that was featured in Two A Days. Um, and he, uh, is not necessarily have his hands clean in the way that he has run his high school programs. And so I guess maybe we can take what he says with a grain of salt. However, he was recorded talking to Michael Nelson, who was the former director of the Valdosta Touchdown Club. And in the conversation, he talked about Georgia and Alabama paying recruits to go to school there. He, the recording was made in May of this past year. Just got released on Monday, though. Um, of course, both parties say they have no idea how the recording uh, uh, got released. So somebody's lying there, clearly. But um, basically, he says that recruits are paid anywhere between ninety and a hundred thousand dollars a piece to sign with Georgia and Alabama. He says that Georgia paid Nick Chubb a hundred and eighty thousand dollars in three installments. Um, of $60,000 a piece to return to Georgia for his senior year in 2017. And uh, it just, it seems wild. I kind of believe it though. Georgia, I particularly believe because I feel like they, they have made such a glow up on the recruiting trail. Glow um, up. <laughs> but I don't really know that their on the field production has warranted where they have been the last few years. Just really, I mean, the, the top three classes, right? Uh, the past few years. Alabama is harder for me to believe because I like to think of St. Nick as the guy that's doing it all the right way. However, it's interesting when you see his protégés, guys that coached with him at Alabama that go to these programs like Tennessee, like Georgia, places like that. And then all of a sudden get in trouble for putting cash in a McDonald's bag and handing it to a recruit that has been taught to them somewhere. Right. And it's weird because his guys are doing it at multiple programs. So it's not a Tennessee problem or a Georgia problem. Maybe it's a mentor problem. Yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, I agree completely. I think that you would have to be, um, we have to have your head kind of in the sand to not believe that, that this was happening and happening on, um, a pretty regular basis. You know, everybody's got like sources and they've heard this and they've heard that and everything's been happening. I'd love to, I'd love to see the receipts that, uh, yeah. post has. like, I'd love, you know, it's, it's one thing to make accusations, but it's another to like, sure. Let's get some receipts. Like, how do you know? How do you know this? You know, accusations. And I do think it's important to point out that so this recording came from um, the, a meeting between Probst and Nelson. And basically, when Probst got hired at Valdosta, he went to Nelson and said, "Hey, I'm going to need access to the Touchdown Club's money because I need to play, pay players to come play for me." And they were like, what? We're not paying for players. And he was like, oh, everybody does it. Georgia does it. Alabama does it. And then, you know, gets into. So this is how that came apart. Um, apparently, Probes told Nelson to um, pay $2,500 a month to Jake Garcia, who is a quarterback that transferred to Valdosta High School from California last uh last fall it was supposed to pay for rents and other expenses there was also another guy that transferred in he was looking for 850 a month for this high school player um definitely makes you wonder about 
you know, the other high schools he has been a head coach at, did this happen there? Um, so this is all a part of a, a really big, interesting mess that's going on at Valdosta, right? So we can take it all with a grain of salt, but I don't actually find it that difficult to believe. No, not at all. I mean, I'll just tell you, this is absolutely happening. Like I, and I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that it's happening at every school in the country. I think it at your major programs that continue to dominate college football, this is happening, you know, and I'm not, I don't have like unlimited sources and I'm telling you this because I heard this or saw this or whatever, but like, this is absolutely something that happens. I don't know with what frequency, I don't know with what amount, like, I don't know if these amounts are accurate or not, but I'm just telling you, this this is going on. Fans should be really pissed. Their team's playing 200 or excuse me, $2.5 million a year to have not won a national championship since 1980. (laughs) Because you could pay nothing and still not have won a championship since 1980. At least it'd be cheaper. It would be much cheaper. I mean, it's not really coming out of their pocket, though. So, I mean, I feel it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Absolutely um, absolutely kind of crazy Well, and it kind of fits, you know, because when um, all the Tennessee stuff went down, a couple of months ago, all of the reports were that we were going to hear something similar about Georgia sometime soon. The only reason we did hear anything about Tennessee is because Tennessee chose to self-report, right? The NCAA still never told us anything about what is currently being investigated in Tennessee. We literally only know because Tennessee ratted on themselves in an attempt to get a lesser punishment from the NCAA. So in theory, Georgia could be knee deep in NCAA issues as well. And we just don't know because they didn't choose to tell us. But the rumors at the time were that Georgia was going to go down with Tennessee. And it's interesting to even hear coaches that either used to coach in the SEC or even currently coach in the SEC. Mike Stoops, when the Georgia stuff went down, I mean, excuse me, when the Tennessee stuff went down, was like, oh, yeah, it's about time they got caught. Absolutely. Like, it was a terribly kept secret. I don't know if you ever listened to uh, Zach Smith's podcast. I think y'all have had him on the big three roll up, but he released something yesterday that was like, uh, basically like, duh, of course this is going on. This, this has been going on. I coached in the sec. I saw this a thousand percent. This is going on at Alabama and Georgia a thousand percent. This is accurate, which is just, you know, interesting. Yeah, no, I think that I think it's going on more places than that. I don't I don't think it's going on everywhere. Um, you know, but it, there are definitely coaches um like you said that are in that saving tree that do it. There's coaches outside of that saving tree that that certainly do as well. Sure, um, and I'm not I mean, saying Saban would be the only person that advises other people to do this or that does it within his program or anything, but it makes it more believable to me when a lot of the programs most recently that we've talked about potentially doing this all have a common thread yeah yeah they either coach under him or they're dominating college football right like you know yeah i'll just say that like they're one of those two things so right. um yeah i i will Pretty be interested to see dominating college football outside of uh ohio state has a link to alabama for sure I mean, it'd be interesting to see if anything comes from it, though. Like, yeah. if there's no receipts, then it's just hearsay, right? Like, yeah. there's, you know, it's tough to prove stuff. So, 
And if there's an operation going on, a place like Bama, it's going to be as buttoned up as anywhere. You're not shocked that Tennessee got caught because they suck. Like they suck at everything. So keeping it a secret, they suck at that too. I mean, they put Bama's, cash Bama's in bottles gr- bags and handed yeah. it to recruits in front of other people. So they also like did not even care. We want to win so bad. We actually don't care. <laughs> we will do Idiotic. whatever we can. Speaking of wanting to win, yeah. our basketball teams are floundering That's just a bit. Well, I think they're wanting to. They're just not doing a very good job of it. Uh, Florida State won on senior night by 29 last Wednesday, but then dropped a game on the road at Notre Dame that would have given them the ACC championship regular season if they had won it. Florida dropped their couple of games this week as well. So they so both teams limp into – Florida limping a little worse, but both teams limp into their conference tournaments. Florida has a single bye. They play on – what, Wednesday, correct? Yeah, tomorrow. And then, or no, maybe Thursday. I think they play Thursday. And then Florida State has a double bye. They play Thursday as well. Um, so we'll see. Florida State still sitting at like a 3-4 seed. Florida, like an 8, 9, 10, somewhere in that range. You know, But both teams could probably in, impact their seed. Like Florida State could solidify a 3 if they can win a couple of games here. Uh, Florida could maybe get up that higher to like 8 or 9 if they – can win at least two games, make the championship, and that, you know, it'd be a pretty tough road in it. But we'll see how both teams do. But sputtering down at the end. Um, yeah, not the um, not the ramp up to the conference tournament either team was hoping for. Not at all, you know. But, you know, a couple of years ago, Florida State um, lost their first game in the conference tournament. Uh, against Louisville, big upset because they were like the three seed in the tournament. They lost to Louisville and then won out, or not won out, but they then they went to the Elite Eight, lost the Elite Eight um, with uh, what something something like they lost by like four or something. So they were four points away from the Final Four. Um, a good a good year for them. So not always you know, the most important, but you certainly want to try and finish strong heading into the postseason. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm depressed. I was hoping they'd win the ACC the other day. Um, speaking of depressed, are you like that through most of the season? They were the best. And then they've certainly sputtered here late, you know? So, uh, speaking of depressed, do you think UCF fans are depressed that their AD got kicked off of the, um, being able to. Yes. Be on the college football playoff committee. I'm trying trying to think of words. UCF's new athletic director was on the um, uh, college football playoff selection committee. And I did see a lot of tweets. uh, UCF fans were excited that they felt like they were going to finally have the ear of the committee, um, that this could be a really good uh, move for them. And I I am sure, let me preface this. I need to say this the right way. I am sure that this was not a surprise to the new director. I'm sure it was probably not a surprise to UCF brass either. I think the only people that were surprised are UCF fans. Um, he was replaced. Is it, it's Terry Mahar, Mahari. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. We had this issue when we pronounced his name the last time around. But he was replaced on the college football uh, selection committee because he was on there to represent the Sunbelt Conference. That's when he was AD of Arkansas State. Um, He served two of his 
three-year term, but playoff management decided to replace him with somebody else from the Sun Belt because that's who he was supposed to be representing. So they replaced him with Georgia State AD Charlie Cobb. Um, so again, this is not, I, I don't, I doubt this caught him off guard. I doubt this caught UCF off guard. I just think it caught fans off guard. Um, and whether or not they knew for sure it was going to happen, they had to have probably known it was a, a possibility um, since he was on there to represent a conference that he no longer worked at. Um, but I just think it's funny because they don't have his ear anymore or the committee yeah. ear anymore. It was a cool flex, but now it's gone. So yeah. sucks to suck. Um, all right, we'll do this and get out of here. We talked about this a little bit on air with, uh, this conversation went around a month and a half ago. Actually, I guess it's been, no, it's been, no, it's just for a, what, what is it today? Are we in March? Yeah. It's so like a month ago. We're like um, far into March. It's March. Well, not far, but we're, it's March 9th. We're almost two full weeks into March. All right. All right. So this went around like a month ago after Brady and the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Uh, just like your goat of goats list. So if you had to pick four goats, we can talk about alternatives and backups and stuff later. Um, and I can't wait for this because we haven't disagreed in a while. So I feel like this is our time I'm to shine. Sure it is. I'm wondering um, if I have any of the, I wrote 15 down. I can pick 15, my 15, Allie, my goodness. It's like a whole I've pasture of them. Names that came to mind. And I'm wondering if we have like any of the same. Um, Let's get your top, like if you were doing a Mount Rushmore, if they said we're canceling all these former presidents, um, we're going to do a sports Mount Rushmore. And we, Allie Peak, we want you to put the four people up on this Mount Rushmore, who would your four be? Hmm. It is really hard. Um, Michael Jordan. Okay. Michael Phelps. Okay. Muhammad Ali. Okay. Uh, and that fourth one is really hard. I could go with uh, one of several different people. I'm going to stick with those three. I want to hear who you are. I'll name my fourth in a little while. Wait, that's cheating. That's cheating. Well, you got to hear all of mine first. <laughs> I know. That's why I made you go first. Um, so I am going LeBron James because I because I think at the end of his career, I think he's going like if he plays like three more years and wins two more times, like I think he's gonna I think it at all when it's all said and done, he'll be he'll have been the better basketball player. Will people ever say that he's the GOAT? Probably not because Michael is the measuring stick. But anyway, so um, that's kind of my thought process there. I'm going LeBron. I'm going Messi as the greatest soccer player ever. I know that soccer doesn't get as much love. Okay, he was on my top 15 list. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going Messi there because I think that he is he is that much better to me, there's the biggest separation between him. Well, it's either him or Gretzky. The biggest separation between like the GOAT and the next best. It, Phelps would be up there as well. But see, like Michael and LeBron is a debate, right? Um, you know, you can at least have the conversation. There's no conversation. There's no conversation with like Gretzky. Like who's the second best player ever behind Gretzky? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, I don't think there's any so, debate for so, hockey. Gretzky, I think, so, is it for hockey. I think you could debate Pele. Right. Yeah, maybe, but like Messi just, you know, like obviously me being a fanboy is going to impact this, but like Messi just does so many things. Great. Yeah. Like Ronaldo's a great scorer and this guy's a great passer and this guy's a great dribbler. Like Messi's like better than all of them at all of those things. So, and so I like 
Messi and Pele on my top 15 list. Pele partially because I also think he helped put the sport on the map, which I think uh, is like an intangible that is uh, interesting too. I think you say Pele, everyone knows who you're talking about. I don't know that kids that aren't interested in soccer right now, if you say Messi, no, no. Right. Like growing up, I played youth. I guess may, I don't know. I guess I'm not playing youth soccer right now. My kids are. But when I played youth soccer growing up, if somebody was going to compliment you, right, they were like, oh, my gosh, that was like Pele. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm fine with Pele being on the list. I mean, I'm, I put Messi over him. Those are my only better. two soccer players on there. <laughs> so and then my third, I am going with. Well, I'll I'll change the order. I'm going with Roger Federer as my third. So you got a wild card there with Phelps. I'm going with Federer. Federer is um, on my top 15. Look at us agreeing on some of these things. Maybe not the order, but. <laughs> the, yeah, and that was an order. Like, that's just how I happened to write yeah. them out. Okay, so who's your fourth? It's hard for me to pick a fourth. Like, those three I'm, I'm pretty hard. confident on. So, I think that if we're, like, see, I have Tiger and Jack Nicholas for golf mm. represented on there. Kind of for different reasons, but I have both of them on there. I do have Serena Williams. That's my only girl. That made the list. Um, Usain Bolt. Mm-hmm. I think you got to give a, a nod to somewhere, right? And then I have Joe Montana and Jerry Rice in there as well. And Babe Ruth. Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, I think for hard, right? It is hard. Um, I, I agree on Babe because he pitched and hit. Yeah. Um, Barry Bonds makes my list. Not like my top four. Yeah, like he's not, he's not. Okay, so my number four, I think, is probably Tiger Woods. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. probably where I'm going from her four. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think Serena's the greatest, you know, woman to ever play. Like, so I agree with that. You know, Babe Ruth up there. I think I'm going Barry Bonds because he was, you know, he didn't pitch, but he was every bit as good of a fielder in his yeah. prime as a hitter, like gold glove after gold glove after gold glove. And, did the you steroids know. bother you at all or no? No, because he was – the steroids are a, like a power thing. They're not necessarily a batting for average or contact. And like he was every good as bit of a like contact and batting for average hitter as – you know before this. So like steroids don't bother me because he would have been just as good in my eyes without him. He would have hit less home runs. I, I agree with that. But so would everyone else in the – um, inflated steroid era, like so would right, Sosa right. and, and McGuire and everybody else. So um, they they don't bother me much. Now, if he'd have been like the only one to ever do sure, it, sure. they would bother me. Right. Um, so yeah, definitely Tiger. Football, we talked about this off the air. Football is the hardest one to do because I feel like the positions are so, so different. Like how do you compare a guy like Tom Brady to Ray Lewis? Like their impacts on their teams and the games. And, and it's easy to say, you know, well, the quarterback touches the ball more than anyone else. Um, so you, you give him the, the treatment, but like, how do you compare, like you said, Deion Sanders, like Deion Sanders was at his best when he wasn't showing up on the stat sheet, right? Like when he was literally just taking away half the field. Um, same thing with Ray Lewis, when guys were running away from him, same thing with Warren Sapp, not that Warren Sapp's like one of my goats, but like with Warren Sapp being, um, with Warren Sapp. If you're getting double teamed, you're not getting double Yeah. And you're uh, also freeing up, you yeah. know, somebody else to do so it. So like, so how do you really, whereas 
basketball is easy. We say Kobe scored this many. We say Michael scored this many. We, you know, swimming's easy. Phelps wins this race or Bond seats these home runs or Messi scores these goals. Like those are easy. Football is such a, you know, we talked about this, you know, Michael's on the court. He accounts for 20% of his team's offense and defense at the minimum, right? Probably more because he's guarding the best player and he's taking the most shots. But as with Brady, I mean, he's touching the ball the most or Montana, he's touching the ball the most, but I mean, there's still one of 22 guys that are on the field any given time. And that's not even counting like guys subbing in and subbing out and you putting packages in for a third down running back or wide receivers or tight ends or whatever. So football is so hard. It's easy to look at the rings and just say like Montana and Brady. Um, I, I have Brady, Montana, and Jerry Rice, uh, but I, it is. Football is difficult. And that, you know, when there's 22 people that are making an impact versus five or even easier when it's a solo sport, um, mm-hmm. it's difficult for sure. Yeah, it's it's very tough. And like you said, football, you could have a ton of them. Like Jerry Rice is obviously up there. Um, you know, Ray Lewis and Deion Sanders and and guys like that that just absolutely dominated, you know, for years. And I mean, Ray Lewis is the reason the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Sure. Right? Like they won with Trent Dilfer here in Tampa. Like, you know, it was right. so anyway, yeah, like those guys are, you know, it becomes really, really tough. Um who did we not? Obviously Phelps, Katie Ledecky, you know, like if you talk about like women's swimming, she was just absolute, you know, getting robbed in the summer Olympics kind of stunk last year, but she was absolutely fantastic. She popped into my I mind mean, when you said Sarah Phelps. Torres completed competing and winning at 40 women's Olympic swimmer swimmer. Like, I mean, I, I guess if you talk about that, you can, you can throw that in as well. Um, I mean, there's, I think it's different talking about like the goat of a specific sport versus the goat of goats, right? That is just, it, it's, it's different. Yeah. And we, we mentioned him like in passing, just their, their sport. We mentioned him in passing, but obviously Gretzky is, is the hockey one. Like there's not even like close. He, to me, like this is the most unpopular thing that I've probably ever said. To wow, me, that's a lot. To me, he's probably the goat of goats. Like he is the guy that there is no one else. Like Michael wins, but like LeBron and Kobe get in the conversation, and Messi wins, but Ronaldo and Pele get in the conversation, and Montana wins, but Brady and Rice get in the. Co- he is the only one that, like, you would say, like maybe Phelps along with it, but like it's very different with an individual sport, but like. He's the only one where you say like, yeah, like it's unquestioned. Like everyone says Gretzky. And so like, right. how do you quantify like goat of goats? Like, I think you'd say like, okay, well, who was that much better in their sport than everyone else? And again, I think it's Gretzky. Like, I think that that would probably be my pick. Now it's the most boring pick. He's not even on my Mount Rushmore. Like I'd rather give it to like Messi or Federer or whatever, but like, right. I think it's him. I think that that's just what it is. I don't know. I mean, certainly you can make arguments for different people in different situations and stuff, but yeah, like pretty absurd what he did that long ago and still like it transcends to today, you know, like where it's not even, there's not even like a consideration for who may be second. Like it's just Gretzky alone by himself. So goat of goats, but I didn't even put him on my uh, Mount Rushmore. Right. (laughs) I've changed my entire argument right now. I've just God. realized that I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, what about Muhammad Ali? Where do you put him? Yeah, I mean, he's not on my mind much more, but I mean, he's certainly the greatest that there ever was there. I don't know. I'd like to see Mayweather. <laughs> Mayweather is pretty uh, absurd as well. Obviously, totally different. Um, 
you know, but I think that he's he's up there. I mean, Mayweather being like a super featherweight light, you know, not, he's not a heavyweight. So like that's kind of the the difference there. Like you can't um it's tough to compare a heavyweight with like a featherweight or super light or anything like that or middleweight where right. Mayweather is fought. Obviously Ali would would kill him like if they fought each other um you know both in their primes but you know when you look at like different classes and stuff like that like i think that mayweather mayweather would would be up there as well but yeah i think ali's definitely the goat there I'm trying to think um joey chestnut joey chestnut yeah. how hot how would you <laughs> well, put him on you your know, i guess i just did not think about hot dog eating but yes joey chestnut <laughs> um Pound for pound. I don't know if there's a better athlete out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I think that's the exhaustive list. If, if there's anybody we left off, they don't deserve to be on the list. So I think that yeah, was- if you don't immediately come to mind, I think that's your disqualifier right there. Um, yeah. And then you could get like more granular with it. Obviously you get more into, okay, like college football, college basketball, college this, you know? So yeah, because it's there is tough. a huge difference between uh, – like you could be the greatest college athlete ever and not have had an NFL career or you could be the greatest NFL athlete ever and had a like, – I mean think about Tom Brady. Like does anybody even remember much about his time at Michigan? I was watching college football at the time and I don't remember anything about it. But so I, just because you were good in one does not mean that you're good in the other. Yeah, I mean and if you're really, really good in one, it limits your chances to – you know, rack up absurd amount of stats, right? Like, yeah. you know, you know, Jameis left after two years. Manziel left left after what three years? He didn't play all four. Um, you know, Tebow Tebow comes to mind. Like when you talk about like greatest college football players ever, like I don't mind saying that. Like I don't think he was the greatest quarterback ever, but like I can differentiate the fact of a player versus a like thrower or passer. Um, but he did play all four years, and so his stats are absurd, right? Like yeah, nobody's ever going to, you know. So like he didn't play a lot that first year. He played uh, six to ten plays a game that first season. That was Chris Leak. So I don't know that you get to. I don't know that that he played three full seasons. I think that that's obviously a very fair statement. But I don't really know uh, that it's fair to say, you know, he played four full seasons because he didn't. He he was a, a very much a reserve. He, he came in in key moments, but that was Chris Leak's year. Yeah. I mean, he was able to pile up 13 touchdowns in his first year. So, uh, you know, I mean, they reser- used him strategically. Dan Mullen is a, yeah, is yeah, for sure. But that. he got to, but he got to add, he got to add a good chunk of, so yeah. over his, over his career, he had uh 140 ish touchdowns. Right. So obviously absurd the last three years, but he even got to add a pretty good little chunk, a good, seven eight percent chunk in that first year uh whereas other guys don't right like yeah. they leave early yeah. you know he played three and 20 percent or like 3.2 or whatever like however you would kind of quantify that um you know Jameis only played two years Mantel didn't play all four years you know so like there's different different kind of like thoughts around yeah. that like um Lawrence only played did Lawrence play Lawrence play three years I played two years, right? No, he started as a no, true freshman. Yeah. No, he started as a true freshman. Yeah. So he got to play all three, or he got to play three full years, but didn't get yeah. that little extra bump or whatever. So um, I think you're seeing more and more guys play but as also, true freshmen, whereas people, um, you know, redshirted back in the day. So let's look at like uh, 
Lauren, so when Tebow played, we weren't playing 12 games yet a season, where we weren't we playing 11 then? I got to Google. So when uh, you factor in playoffs and an additional game a season, Trevor Lawrence has to have played probably close to the same number of games as Tebow. Mm, with his injury, he had the opportunity. With oh, his injury, yeah, it's quite so a bit less. The opportunity less. is there. Yeah, it's quite a bit less with the oppor- with the uh, injury. Uh, Lawrence played 40 total. Tebow played whatever 14 times four is minus one. So 14 times four is 56 minus one is 55. So he played 10 more games. Um, you know, so yeah, like I think that, I mean, I think today's day and age, like quarterbacks are more ready to kind of play right away. Um, back in the day, you didn't really play true freshman quarterbacks, you, you know, in a full-time starting spot. Now you do like if James came to Florida state right now, he'd, he'd start right away. Um, but back in the day, I mean, you also like factor in when someone gets there. He also had like a fifth year senior in EJ Manuel who was good and got drafted into the first round. And so like, there was no way that some true freshman was going to come in and start over him, no matter how good you thought they might be or whatever, just like Tebow didn't start over leak. Like they were able to use him kind of strategically, but if he would just been a regular pocket passer, if he'd have been more of like a Chris leak, he, they certainly wouldn't have ever played T like just would have redshirted him, you know, like they did. Yeah. You know, because Jameis and EJ were the same guy. Jameis was just better. So, I don't know. Yeah, but, like, when you think about college, like, I think I'd have Tebow up there, you know. I mean, you'd have, like, Barry Sanders. Some guys obviously had great careers at both. Like, you'd have Barry Sanders at Oklahoma State. and um, I feel like there's not that that many that had great careers in both. There are guys, obviously, but not as many as there are guys that was great at one or the other. Yeah, that's probably true. Like if you had a top 10, then maybe that's like the next episode. If you had a top 10, yeah, let's do that. Your top 10 best, and we can get some uh, some some fan interaction on this as well. Um, give me your top 10 college and pro career, like combined. Like they they had to be like phenomenal, like great at both. Like I'll give you an easy one. Barry Sanders is an easy one. Uh, OJ is probably an easy one. Emmett Smith Smith is a good one. Um, Derek Brooks is a good, yeah. Like I'm trying to think of guys like that. We kind of think of Warren Sapp. So like, yeah, so I've kind of listed some off. Um, yeah, absolutely. So like, think about those let's find and make them not make them not big three guys, like not Miami, not Florida state, not Florida. Cause we could do 10 just off them, you know, like that's fairly easy to do, but Stafford. Stafford's a good one. He's had a very long, nice career. He was good in college. Like Stafford's a good one. You know, I, I wouldn't call him otherworldly elite, but I mean, what's he, he, when you how long has he been? As the, long as he has in the NFL, that's saying yeah. something. The average career is like 2.3 years. Yeah. He's had like a 10 plus year career and uh, as a starting quarterback. So that's obviously pretty impressive. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, all right, cool. So that's everybody's homework. That's your homework. Come up with your t- – can't be big three, can't be Stafford, can't be Barry Sanders or OJ. <laughs> but outside of those, we have to think of new ones. Your top ten players that had great college and pro careers. Don't Google. Don't use Bleacher Report because I'm sure they've already done this. But um, we'll recap it next week, and we'll see who has the better list. Well, we'll see why my list is better than yours. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> sounds like a plan all right cool we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening we may have some big news coming in the next couple of weeks we'll keep you guys updated um no that's what they call a teaser here in the in the bits uh and we'll let you guys know but appreciate you guys support 
and we will talk to you next week.